Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we welcome you into Believe Me right here on Stadium. My name is Cam Rogers, and listen, I've got no idea what I'm betting on this weekend, but I've got two legends, Brandon Lang, brandonlang.com, and Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end sports analyst. Gentlemen, the final four is in the books. How are we doing? Clay, you want to go first and brag about your Florida Atlantic big time win over San Diego State? Go ahead. I'll give go you the floor. Go for it, Clay. <laughs> All right, B Lang. I know, um, I, I know obviously, you know, I had the I had the win there uh, on the game, but you got me back with the UConn game. I shouldn't have picked Miami over UConn. I know B Lang's gonna help let me hear it, but I did take B Lang's advice and take UConn in the national championship game plus the seven. I didn't bet everything I own like he told us to, but I mean, what a run by UConn. I mean, this team was incredible. I mean, Sonogo's a beast, 17 points, six nine guy from Mali. I mean, they, they I think they might repeat three players uh, from the ESPN top 100 coming to UConn next year. And they won all six games by an average of 20. I mean, that's impre- impressive in the tournament. I mean, that's something you never see. The fifth team since 1985 to win all games by double digits. UConn, your team, your darling. All right, B-Lang, here's your time, man. No, I read in one of the forums that you sent uh, you sent Lede and Bradley and Parrish for San Diego State uh, postcards saying thank you for missing six of the last eight free throws. Um, <laughs> Parrish is a 77% free throw shooter. He missed He missed two. Lede's a 76% free throw shooter. He goes one of four. Bradley's a 79% free throw shooter. He goes one of two. They missed six of their last eight, win by one. They shouldn't even have won the game. They shouldn't even won the game. They were 13 of 22 from the line for the game. They shouldn't even won the game. In a close game, you're not going to cover a one and a half, two. I should just money lined up for 145, but – when we got to the championship game and I started to really handicap, but I know that Clay and I did not Clay and I, but we did a quick hit um, for the championship game on Monday. The last time you had a point spread that big in a championship game, it was 2018 Villanova minus six and a half against Michigan. Here we were five years later with UConn out of the big East laying seven and a half against San Diego state. The similarities between those two teams is chilling when you broke it down. Villanova that year had won 33 of 35 games by double digits. Hmm. In the tournament, they won every game by double digits, and they covered every game in the tournament. Final four knocked off number one seed Kansas by 16 and then destroyed Michigan by 17. Now here comes UConn, won every game by double digits in the tournament, covered every game in the tournament. In their non-conference schedule, they won all 14 non-conference games by double digits. And furthermore, every win they had this year of their 30 30 wins going into the championship game this year, 29 were by nine or more. Only one game they didn't win by more than the points spread Monday night at Georgetown, where they won by six, which is the head scratcher of all head scratchers. So you ask yourself this question, were they going to beat San Diego State? Yes, there was no way they were going to lose that game. So based on that platform, 
you could have bet everything you owned on UConn Monday night. A children's unborn, children's children, and their children when the, the cars are flying in the air and it's George Jetson and Elroy and daughter Judy. And when that time gets there, we will never get a game like that Monday night. You don't struggle with the Florida Atlantics of the world and beat right. you. You just don't. Look at the look at the look at the similarity. In the final for Villanova, they faced Michigan, who played Loyola of Chicago in the semis. Here's San Diego State, who played who? Florida Atlantic out of Conference USA. So it was it, it felt so good that I got fisted by San Diego State against Florida Atlantic. Come back and watch them get hammered and slaughtered for not doing what they should have done, which is cover that godforsaken number against Florida. They shouldn't even have won. So, they were lucky to win that game. But Brandon, from the industry perspective, if I may, why wasn't there any Vegas correction with this line? Minus seven seemed too generous in favor of UConn, especially being perfect ATS in the tournament. Well, what's funny is late in the day, the Sharps, jumped on San Diego State and moved the line from seven and a half down to seven. Hmm. Nice going, guys. I don't know what you saw. <laughs> I don't know what you're feeling. Nice going there to move that line down to seven. Well done. Way to go against a mortal lock winner. And bottom line, I love Danny Hurley. If Hawkins comes back and Sonogo comes back, which we don't know yet. Hawkins, they say, is going to be a top 10 pick. Sonogo, they're saying, is going to go in the top 10. But if those two come back with the point guard that they got coming in, oh, my God. This could be a UNLV, Larry Johnson, Stacey Aukman, Jer uh, Greg Anthony, uh, David Butler, Anderson Hunt. They all came back, went undefeated, and then uh, lost to Duke in the championship game because Greg Anthony decided to go in the lane and take a charge and foul out. They had no point guard in the last three and a half minutes. Bobby hit, Hurley hits the three, cuts it from five to two. Don't get me started because I was at the game and I lost a lot of cheddar. So anyway, there we go. Clay, looking ahead to next year, to Brandon's point, do you see some value maybe in UConn getting it done again at whatever number it is? I'm not sure if the odds are out yet, but. Absolutely. You got three of the ESPN top 100 in this recruiting class. I mean, this team is big. This team knows how to play. I mean, you look how they finished this year. I mean, the six games in the tournament by an average of 20. I mean, even 20. I mean, that's incredible. I think there's some value there. I think they have to be the favorite coming into next season. And uh, I, I know they're going to be losing a couple guys, but you know, I think I think UConn has to be the favorite after how they finished off this year with that exclamation point. And I just want to know how, um, you know, with five minutes left when the game was cut to five, you know, how bad Brandon Lang was sweating there <laughs> watching the game on TV. You know, the, it's cut to five. You know, he's got his children's children's children, you know, on this game. This guy has to be sweating. But the I know they fun. pulled it off. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, two, two rules of thought. I was absolutely <laughs> livid and pissed that they were up 16 in the first half with 3.23 to go and didn't score again. That drove me absolutely bonkers. And and they should have been up 20 to 24 at the half. Right. So I was like, okay, you know what? That's not good. And then they cut it to 13. And then first possession of the second half, Hawkins goes right down the lane, throws a dunk, and misses it. And I said right there, I said, you know what? This is going to be a sweat job. 
at some point in the second half, this is Vegas calling. I said it. I said, <laughs> I've been doing this long enough to know that if you don't put teams away and let them, you know, to use the the favorite line from Rounders, hanging around, hanging around. I should have got paid on that hand. It, it, it just was going to happen. Hawkins hits the three to get it back to eight. If he misses that shot, Houston, we have a problem. But but with that being said, when you win every game by double digits, sometimes it's like the first line of my analysis at BrandonLang.com. I said, don't get nervous. The effing point spread is not going to matter. It doesn't matter what happens in the game. All that matters is the final score. Six straight wins, six straight wins by double digits. They won by 17. You never even saw it get cut to five when you look at the final score. But yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. But, you know, in the champagne room with my girl Jasmine and uh, my girl Desiree. Um, <laughs> Be Lang. Take it away, dude. Perfect 18 and 0, guys. ATS versus non conference opponents here Great. this season for UConn. Really dominant stuff. So. More March Madness in the years to come. Excited for more brackets. But let's pivot now, guys, to the biggest golf event of the year. It is the Masters. That tradition, unlike any other, Tiger Woods is on the grounds here at Augusta National, entering this tournament 75-1 to to win this event. We saw him earlier this year at the Genesis Invitational, T45 there. But the reality is you have to go back to 2020. For the last time, he actually had a top 10 on the PGA Tour. Brandon, let's start with you because you know Tiger very well. You have some stories about learning Tiger's game and what have you. When you look at his prospects of winning a major this year, how high are they? Where do you gauge them? Not happening. Not happening. Use a line from Pulp Fiction, wake up the gimp. Well, the gimp's asleep. Well, wake him up. Well, you're not going to wake up Tiger Woods. The, 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 at the course like the Masters with with walking, you can see it. You can see it in his, his first round, um, struggling, hitting trees off the tee, uh, three woods on par fives off the trees, three putting from 20 feet up the hill. Um, do I think he can contend? Yes, I do. I think he can contend. But actually winning with his leg being the way it is, Listen, when, when you're drinking liquor and taking Ambien and hopping an SUV and driving down from Palos Verdes, probably not the smartest thing to do there, T. Probably not the smartest thing to do, but that's Tiger Woods. I mean, go back to when he crashed his Mercedes. They found five substances in his blood. Vicodin, Ambien, Viagra, weed. Go deep, Tiger. <laughs> go deep, baby. He went for it. He went for it. <laughs> but I'm amazed of Tiger Woods. And stay with me here. The one thing I'm more amazed of than anything is vain as he is about his body, as vain as he is about his looks. I cannot believe in all that time away that nobody saw him. He didn't get his hair done. He's going balding bad. The like, march is happening. Bad, yeah. bro. Tiger, bro. Hair club for men. Get the club, get the plugs, baby. Get the plugs, Tiger. He's going ball. Michael Jordan's eventually going to say, Tiger, shave the head, diamond stud earring. You're good to go, babe. You're good to go. Clay Harbor, Tiger Woods always gets a lot of public money entering a major championship because the public loves to bet on Tiger. What say you? Is there any value in betting on him this year in a major? 
There's no value since that car crash in February 2021. I think that kind of ended the the dream for Tiger. I think maybe he could have squeezed out a win here or a win there. But after that, I mean, I think this may be his last Masters, his last time at Augusta, unfortunately. So I think we need to enjoy this. For all I know, he's not coming back there again. I think, you know, he's probably not going to come close. And, I, you know, I hate to say it, I'm a huge Tiger fan. My dad would, would hate. Never liked golf. He was football, basketball, and baseball. But whenever Tiger was playing, we watched golf. We watched it all. Love Tiger Woods, but I, I think this. I think it's coming to an end. I mean, 15 majors is what he's going to end with. Nicholas has 18. I think you know it, it's it's sad that he didn't get the chance to break that record. I think he could have, but hmm. you know, overall, I think right now we just got to enjoy having one of the best golfers and being able to watch him. I don't think a 75 to one, I don't think if it was a thousand to one that I would bet Tiger Woods, to be honest, I I just don't think there's a chance for him to return to that form after this last car crash, last surgery. He just, he doesn't even seem to be walking easily. It's like walking with him is, is a chore now. And as an athlete, you got to be able to feel good, to be able to compete with these guys that are a decade, more than a decade younger than him. Unfortunately, no value for Tiger. Love Tiger. I think his career of winning is over, but it's still good to see him out there. 99% of the golf field in a given event does not need to think about walking. Tiger is that 1%, so that adds an element of difficulty. We'll see what happens with Tiger as we go throughout the season. Let's go to Phil Mickelson because this guy used to be a character, guys. Then he went to live, and now he's like super weird with the media, like he's stuttering over his words. It's almost like he's ashamed he went to live golf. And Brandon, we'll go to you on this one too. Phil back at the Masters. Of course, he won at Kiowa Island at the PGA Championship two years ago, 250 to 1 going into that event. Any Phil magic this week? Why can't we be friends? Why can't <laughs> we be friends? He's got no friends. Right. Evidently at the champion's dinner, he kept him to himself and really didn't talk to anybody. How uncomfortable that must have been. Freddie Couples. Freddie, first of all, who didn't see a weed gummy he's never liked. Never, never. <laughs> Huge stoner, by the way. People are really love that. Um, Freddie called him out, saying, "You want to give some guy two hundred million to shoot seventy eights all day? Be my guest." I mean, he has gotten hammered, and it's a tough situation for him. And his career and his life and everything about him has gone down the tubes. I've heard unbelievable rumors that the breakup between him and Bones was because Mickelson hit on Bones's wife when they're at the same house in in, in a tournament. There are rumors running, yeah. There are rumors running rapid about about filling his character, um, what he did to Billy Walters. Um, no longer the guy, and I don't know how much longer with the way he's playing golf that we can take Phil Mickelson seriously, really. And with that being said, could he could he find magic in a bottle one more time like he did two years ago? Who knows? I believe what is he a three time winner here? I believe so. Yep. Who knows? But it but but again it still has to feel uncomfortable that once one of the most likable guys on tour is no like no longer likable at all clay as an athlete when you are going to compete obviously there's pressure to play well but when you add in external factors like negative headlines and the fact that you were at the champions dinner and you didn't say a thing does that stuff weigh on you as well more pressure 
I think, yeah, but I think these guys, when you're Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, I mean, mentally, I mean, these guys are tough when they're, when they're on the tee, when they're putting, I mean, you know, they're locked in, they're focused, they've hit enough shots where that doesn't bother them. Early in my career, that stuff used to get to me. But as you get older, you block all that stuff out. So I don't think that has anything to do with it. I just don't think he has it anymore. I think he had a great, great career, 45 wins, six majors. You, you know, we won three times at the Masters. Great career. One there in 2021, you know, he came back and, like you said, he caught lightning in a bottle. I don't think 250 to 1, any value. If he was 501, I, I still don't think that's any value. I, I mean, I would I would put a lot on Phil Mickelson not finishing in the, you know, in the top 20 of this tournament. So I don't think there's value there. I love Phil. I love Tiger. I love their pseudo rivalry they used to have. But I think both these guys are unfortunately over the hill, but I, I still enjoy watching them. Still love seeing them at the course, but I think, I think right now this is more of you know a Rory McIlroy you know chance to win this one. I don't think that that Phil and Tiger are still in that in that argument. McIlroy, your pick to win this week, Clay Jordan Spieth for you, Brandon. We'll see what happens with the Masters. Let's pivot to the NFL draft. Talk some props here, guys. Some new props, courtesy of Bet Online. We've got a prop for the second overall pick. And Clay, we're going to go to you on this one. Serious favorite is Bryce Young, minus two fifty. C.J. Stroud at number two. Will Anderson. At number three, Anthony Richardson, 14 to one at number four. Will Levis, 18 to one at number five. What do you think about this play here, Clay? I think it's Bryce Young. I think, I mean, you can take that to the bank. The, you know, the Panthers, they've, they've already been caught talking to C.J. Stroud about the offense and, you know, what they're going to do this season. I think C.J. Stroud's a pick. They like big quarterbacks that can throw the ball. This guy had 40-plus touchdowns. Six interceptions this year. He had an excellent pro day, excellent combine. He's big. He's strong. He can throw. He is going to be the pick. I think you can still find a little bit of value at Bryce Young, minus 250. And the Texans are going quarterback. So C.J. Stroud is one. Bryce Young is two. You can take that to the bank. If you want some value, there is a shot that Bryce Young goes number one. And C.J. Stroud at, at plus 230, I think, if, if you want to go for that long shot, you want to get some more value there, it's going to be one of those two guys. I would guarantee that it's going to be one of those two guys. I personally think it's going to be Bryce Young. But if you want to take that risk, get that extra value, you go with you go with C.J. Stroud. You know, Brandon, I've seen some mock drafts with Anthony Richardson going number two overall. 14-2-1 right now. What do you think? No. Nah. Too much of a wild card. The name Jamarcus Russell still hangs out there, taking a shot on somebody like that. There's no way Will Levitz is going anywhere in the top 10. Um, you know, when Will called me five months ago and said, hey, B-Lang, what steroids are you on? Because I got to get shredded. I got to get ripped. He wanted to know what kind of testosterone or deck I was on. And I, I hooked him up with my boy, and and he got jacked. And I just got a text from him like three hours ago. Hey, B-Lang, good juice. Good stuff, buddy. You got the best juice in the country, and I'm Jack. You know, a lot of guys like me, you got to know the right juice guy who's going to get you buffed and big. I'm looking ripped in 60. Might try to walk on and get me some minutes. Uh, but Levitz has fallen out of any mock draft top 10. Um, 179 interceptions last year. Uh, no, seriously, I think he had like 23, um, which is a big red flag for for GMs, the guy that, that can't read defenses and throws picks at the collegiate level. That always transfers to the NFL level as well. So mm-hmm. as, as much a talent as, as he is, 
I still think that a lot of people have him going to Seattle so he can sit behind Geno Smith and kind of relax and, 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 you know, Pete Carroll with, with athletic mobile quarterbacks like Russell Wilson kind of infatuated there. But I think Clay is right. One, two is going to be exactly what we all think it's going to be. And I don't think we deviate for that. Will Anderson going three. I think that's exactly what top three is going to be. Frank Reich and, and Scott Fitter have been known to be guys that prefer big quarterbacks, right? They they love big quarterbacks. Those two guys are the guys making the decision. Scott Fitterer is going for C.J. Stroud. I can guarantee that Bryce Young's going to be number two. Lay the wood, minus 250 there with Bryce Young. Just a few minutes, guys, so brevity is key on this one. But fun prop here. Which team will draft Bijan Robinson? The Commanders are the favorites right now. Clay, we'll go to you first. Chargers five to one. Cowboys five to one. Eagles plus seven fifty. You got the Falcons, Bengals as well down the board. Thoughts on Bijan, Clay? I think you go with the team that's got two opportunities to to draft him, and I think there's a backstop there. Uh, you know, a value of running back has been falling for years because you can find so many good running backs in the second half of this draft. You can find them in the the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round. You can find guys like Chase Brown, who's great in his own scheme, sixteen hundred yards. You can find you can find a lot of guys that can play running back in the end of this draft. So, Bajan Robinson is a guy that they say, hey, this guy can put on that gold jacket. He could be a Hall of Fame type. If you see him as that, the Eagles could realistically take him at 10. Miles Sanders is gone. They need a go-to guy. If he does fall, guess what? The Eagles got the 30th pick too. You got two chances in the first round here. So it's possible that he falls all the way to 30, the Eagles take him. It's possible the Eagles take him at 10. You got two chances. That's why I'm taking the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 750 to draft Bajan Robinson. Miles Sanders is gone. They brought in Rashad Penny. He He's played in less than half of his game since he's been in the NFL. He has elite yards per carry when he's healthy, but the guy's never healthy. Okay, they have a good chance of drafting this guy and two opportunities. That's why I'm going Eagles. Brandon, that is a very enticing argument. Quickly here, what's the move on your end? I like Clay's thought process with Philadelphia Sanders being gone, but 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 Dallas letting Zeke go, and I think paves the way as well. I don't think the Commanders go because of the stable of backs they have in their backfield right now. It's Dallas or Philadelphia, um, especially with Dallas letting Zeke go, hometown boy. Um, just makes sense that he goes there. Philly or Dallas, NFC East, lock it in. That would be fun. I love Clay's move there. I'm going with the Eagles with that backstop in the NFL draft. First round, plus 750. Lock that in. This has been Believe Me right here on Stadium. For Brandon Lang, brandonlang.com, Clay Harbor, the legendary tight end himself. I am Cam Rogers. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.